Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yes, it's true. We're back. We're coming to you semi-live from the uh, pastoral beauty of Nolansville, Tennessee, and the technological wonderment of the Flyby West studio. Some weeks you're in Brentwood. Now you're in Nolansville. Are they moving the studio around? What's happening here? Like most things in Tennessee, this is on a trailer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it just depends on where, where Derek can find parking. It's right, exactly. We're in a Walmart today. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, there's a sale on coolers. Yeah. Um, so. I don't know that anybody knows. Is this? I don't know. We're I out think, in the I country think this between. Is technically, Nolansville. Okay. It is. Okay. I think but so. Brentwood sounds classier. It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brentwood always makes me think of O.J. Simpson. I know, and I know. That's the other break. Speaking of classy. The, the, the yeah. slow race from the cops. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, it has, I don't know about you guys, I've had, I've had quite an adventuresome week. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I uh, spent the weekend in the hospital with my wife. Oh, right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So, ooh, they were doing that special two-for-one romantic special. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was the. It was the lovers' weekend special. Like a, couple, <laughs> yeah. like a couple's yeah. massage, just it's, different. It, right, right. It came with a small bottle of wine right, and right. Uh, Can- yeah, candles in the, the cafeteria. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. That, that, that wasn't wine, and you weren't supposed to drink it. <laughs> Aaron can tell you all about it. Yeah, I thought that showed. Uh, it's a little, a little um, we go. I don't know. <laughs> Salty? <laughs> oh, my. How's she doing? She's doing great. Okay. She's doing great. Uh, we were concerned about some chest pains and fibrillations and all that kind of stuff. But everything checked out. She's clear. She's good. Good. And ready good. to go into uh, She's going to get a full knee replacement, the old, the old broad is. Yeah, my wife wow. is getting that done in three weeks. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. We're excited about that. Uh, I, had to, I wasn't able to go teach my Sunday school class because she was in the... Uh, and it was the week to talk about codependency. Huh. So God's kind of been unzipping my life a little bit this last week okay. as I look below my addiction. You know, there's that saying, you scratch an addict, you find a codependent. Yeah. So uh, wait, you're saying you had to not go and fix everybody's issues with codependency? <laughs> <laughs> because I was staying with my wife because she needed me. Right. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> layers here. <laughs> but you know what really comes back to me is what you know, Rod Tucker was talking about on, on the last episode. Mm-hmm. You know, this commitment to walking in the light as he is mm-hmm. in the light, and it's only when we're walking kind of uh, in this commitment to authenticity and being honest with ourselves and others. Stop lying to other people. Stop lying for other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- man. Uh, when we, I don't know about you guys, but when I stop to think about how much I have developed a habit of just finessing the truth, mm-hmm. just just massaging it in order uh, not to offend people, not to upset people, uh, in order to get people, and here's where it gets dark, 
we had Allie and I had a talk last night about I, I didn't realize how much she's been doing that to me because she doesn't want to disappoint me. She doesn't want to get me upset. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's managing you. She's managing you while I'm. Ma so she's yeah. managing me while I'm managing her. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, you know, last night we just had the greatest. It was painful, but we had the greatest, like honest, freaking conversation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which left us so much closer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's been a big, been a big week for me. Huh. Uh, how much? How about you, Newton? What's What's happening there, big guy? Uh, man, just, <laughs> I had, I'm I'm trying to put the words together because I had a good week. I had a good weekend. The weather was nice, and you know, uh, got to do fun stuff. But uh, Brooke and I went on our first uh, solo date, first kidless date. On oh, Monday. Oh, yeah. It, it was really cool. Everything you just went great. Left him in the car? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Here's perfect. a bottle. Just you know, Velcro it to your hands. Figure it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, but no, <laughs> my, my mother-in-law, his grandmother, you know, watched him for a few hours. We went went to a concert. But driving back, um, just out of nowhere, I, I realized and I, and I told Brooke that I've been carrying this sadness around. My mom, if you guys don't know, my mom died when I was 22. Uh-huh. Um, so a, a number of years ago. And since, I mean, probably since we found out we were pregnant and since yeah. Luke was born, like, I didn't realize it until Monday night driving home that I've been carrying around this sadness about that loss, about that absence, yeah. about those things. And it's not an all-the-time thing. It's not a... It's not an ever-present thing, but I'm still carrying it. Yeah. I'm used to the weight, but I'm still carrying it. Yeah. And I was able to share that with her, not in any sort of... Like, we didn't talk about it for a long time. We yeah, didn't... Yeah. Um, I didn't dive deep on it, but it was it was really good, and it felt really safe to be able to acknowledge to her, that, yeah. hey, this is where I am. Yeah. And But also to hold some of the questions that I have about that, like some of my behaviors around that, mm -hmm. to have the... Uh, self-protection yeah to not totally dive deep with her immediately while i'm trying to figure it out yeah like you know or the things that i'm doing like am i am i eating at this am i drinking at this yeah am i you know like what does that look like being able to kind of hold some of those questions for me so that then i can come back to her and say hey do you notice this or do you see this i'm wondering this yeah rather than just barfing all over the place yeah um but yeah it was it was it's been a been a good week um, and it's been really good to, to have, it was really good this week to have that realization about me and about my relationship with my wife and, and to have that conversation. So mm -hmm. yeah, more me managing me, not trying to manage her <laughs> yeah. and, and us not trying to manage each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been a, been a good week. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's great. That's good, man. So, Mondo. Oh, Mondo. Yeah. Been good, man. Been, yeah. been good. Uh, Nothing great, crazy, nothing All right. off, you know, everything's been, been good. Okay. Uh, went to a a vow renewal service or ceremony. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's for, for last Friday. Um, and uh, a good buddy of mine, I was the best man in the wedding. Uh -huh. So uh, so they did a vow renewal. Um, uh, this is, he's made this public, uh, has some uh, porn addiction and sexual yeah. addiction issues. Things came out about a year and a half ago, so that was a very uh, intense and hot moment yeah. uh, and season for them. So, uh, so my wife and I walked with him through all of that, and yeah. their family, and both of them, along with uh, seven other couples. Wow! So all eight couples attended 
mm. the, the ceremony last Friday, and uh, it was it was beautiful, man. Uh, he even before that they openly talked about everything. Wow! Before the ceremony, B- before the ce- like before the ceremony to all of us. Wow! Yeah, uh, it was powerful, man. It, it was powerful, and uh, and so <clears throat> I was the first one to to greet him after afterwards mm-hmm. and everything, and and I hugged him real tight and I whispered in his ear. I said, "Hey, buddy." We're not going to do the ceremony again for the same reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we need to talk mm-hmm. because what you did here is great, mm-hmm. but that's just the start. Mm-hmm. Because the way it was presented was awesome. Yeah. But as we all know, <laughs> as we all know, it's there's more. You know, there's a there's a walking day to day process yeah. Yeah. that I want to make sure that he remembers and and walks yeah. in and hmm. and I think part of my responsibility as his friend as well as the best man in their union uh is to is to be there as much as I can yeah yeah, yeah. so and and to say those tough things like mm-hmm. you, spe- you know it's like <laughs> hey everyone's like yeah I'm yeah. like me too I'm re- rooting yeah this is the starting line not the finish line yeah I'm like yeah. hey, hey psst, by the way <laughs> <laughs> you know so I heard a great line this week from a guy who just came back from the Bethesda workshops he said, here's, here's my big takeaway. He says, no matter how far I go down the road of recovery, mm-hmm. I'm always the same distance from the ditch. Hmm. How's that for a line? Pretty yeah, good. That's, that's, good. that's, that's a bumper good. sticker. Isn't that good? That's yeah, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. good. So, yeah, it was good, man. So, yeah, good week. Uh, good ceremony last week. Everything's great. Cool. Hey, did you go to the uh, the Franklin? Were you here? No, you were in the hospital, the festival. No. Well, festival. late after I got Allie to sleep, I went down uh, late on Saturday night to hear... Uh, Anthony and the Night Owls. And okay. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I, I totally went off the deep end with the food. Oh, did you? <laughs> I mean, oh, it was I fried everything. Was it fried everything. I mean, the funnel cake, the corn dogs, the... Yeah. The, I mean, then, you know, I would just hang in the beer tent. Yeah. Just, and then... <laughs> Then I'll get, you know, I was like, man, my mouth needs some salt or something. So, <laughs> with some sugar. Let me yeah, go yeah. back over here, you know. Yeah. And then just, I just had this little back and forth. Yeah. Little. It's little... like they know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Man, Mondo, I remember one of the first times I stayed with Nate and Allie. <clears throat> it was like 10 days of fried food and beer. I was so, like, I couldn't have fried food for so long after that. And I was so sick of beer for so long after that. It was just all these pirate mung mings, you know, fried, uh, hard-boiled eggs. Fried, you know, oh, yeah, Scottish, even... eggs, Scottish, Scottish eggs. Scottish eggs, yeah. Scottish eggs, yeah. Yeah. I'm, we're going to get like eight different fried appetizers. It's going to be awesome. We have fried <laughs> mushrooms, fried. I can still remember that night. And that was the beginning of the longest 10 days of my body going like, what are you doing right now? <laughs> exactly. How is this okay? Yeah, we felt like hell that night. Yeah. I mean, literally, we were, we were all zombies in the house. Yeah, yeah. Just staring. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, oh my <laughs> God, man! I mean, I'm Why just did I eat that? Dude, I'm just now recovering. Yeah, like today's the first day I feel normal. Yeah, but yeah, so but I'll it was try the to... Main Street Festival in Franklin, yes. Tennessee. Oh yes, and the circus came to town. Yes, it did. Spe- yeah. Okay, last little point on, yeah. the, on the festival. <laughs> okay, there was. Did you happen to see the little carnival that showed up over on Second Avenue? No. Okay, it was the shadiest looking. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like a gypsy carnival? Kind it was of thing? Like, like yeah, they had the rides and ponies. it was about you know the little uh, mobile uh, merry-go-round. Yeah, 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 yeah. All it like parts rusting off. Uh, it looks so terrible. Yeah, 
And I'm thinking, like, why? I mean, the the things that kids, the, the bouncy houses were yeah. dirty. Oh, like yeah. instead of like red, it was like 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 maroon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was just awful. I'm like, why in the world? This has got to be a hazard. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm surprised you didn't see it. It was over on Second Avenue next to. Um, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, have time man. To work oh my around. gosh. Yeah, it was, was so hospital. awful. I mean, everything else was great. Yeah. I have. I have work-related comments about that that I am not going to say publicly. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> For fear of who might be listening. Well, well, man, I mean, you know, hey, kudos to those people, whatever, but right. it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Food and beer made up for it. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, Aaron, <laughs> come on, buddy. Spill. Way better than it did <laughs> when I first walked past Exactly. exactly. <laughs> in fact, he took a turn bad. in the bounce house. All our kids, you yeah. want to go in now? <laughs> I'd, I'd eat a fried egg off that bounce house floor now. <laughs> yeah, man. What's uh, going on with you, man? Well, you want me to think about my week? I'm, I've been having so much trouble remembering more than like a day back. I don't remember the last week. Uh I, I do know you guys have had these great conversations with your wives. I had a great, hard conversation uh, since I've been sick. Sundays Sundays are about, I don't know, a nine-hour workday for me. Yeah. And since I've been sick, I've been so exhausted. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm usually pretty peppy uh-huh. after Sunday. I've been so exhausted, and so I am prone to assholiness. Uh-huh. Uh, at church, I just go straight holiness, but I get home and it becomes <laughs> ass holiness because we're just really tired. It's a different brand. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a it's a small movement, but it really matters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Jenny and I got in a totally unnecessary uh, argument, and we were unpacking it on Monday and realized that there's this. There's this deal when when I'm when either of our emotions come into play, it's because we have both latched on to something that's true. But what is true is not necessarily the truth, because the truth takes all the components of the situation, and I'm only latched on to a right. piece of it, which right. is in fact true. Right. And the only way the other person can discuss it is to try to attack that thing I'm holding on to, or they're holding on to. But you can't attack it because it's true. Right. But we don't recognize that it's still not truth. Right. And so we had the, a really interesting conversation about how each of us puts up a wall, gets our little piece of true, and then puts up a wall so we don't have to see the truth because then it would undermine the justification of our emotion in that moment. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and we both do it for totally different reasons, and we do it in totally different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. it's really come up for me since that conversation a lot uh, how many things we feel justified in our emotions. You know, it's, and it always revolves around the emotion. We don't want to admit that it's just I'm protecting and justifying this feeling of anger or sadness or, or I'm just I'm hurt, and so I'm going to justify it with this piece. But it doesn't represent the truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's and like, so how do you how do you break past that? Yeah. And it's it's been good to think about and it's been fun to talk about. You know, it was a good follow up conversation to a stupid argument that was completely unnecessary that, you know, was uh you know, I'm not the only one responsible for it, but uh <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> yeah. I was definitely involved. Yeah. Well I have no idea what an what an argument like that might be like. No. I've never experienced it. <laughs> Years yeah. always have good yeah. purpose. <laughs> 
<laughs> I never say Nate. anything as holy. <laughs> Nate's arguments always have purpose and good content. It's always yeah, there. Exactly. It's, it's not useless and meaningless no, tripe. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, guys. We have got uh, some great guests joining us today. Mm. And uh, if you're listening, you're going to want to stick around because uh, I just have a hunch it's going to be a great conversation. So stay with us. We'll be back in a moment here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. I don't rock the boat, baby. Rock the boat. I don't tip the boat over. Rock the boat. I don't rock the boat, baby. Rock the boat. Ever since our voyage of love began, your touch has thrilled me like the rush of the wind, and your arms have held me safe from a rolling sea. There's always been a quiet place to harbor you and me. on the Pirate Monk Podcast, and it is a two-for-one sale today. We've got two guests, not just one. But uh, Practically practically a regatta. (laughs) Sales, multiple sales. That's right. Sailing joke. Pirates, the water, it's all there. That's so good. Somewhere, somebody that understands sailing is laughing their asses off right now. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But uh, in in the lead role, the guy we really want to talk to, that's a terrible thing to say. We want to talk to both guys. But the guy I'm... Uh, I, I know Greg Oliver. Greg Oliver's here from <laughs> Route 1520. Wait, is he the one you do or don't want to talk to? No, yeah. I want to talk to Adam. He brought okay, Adam yeah, along. Totally, yeah. I thought you were talking about me. I'm out. Forget this. So, uh, Adam Calvert, uh, the finest sex addiction therapist in Birmingham, oh, yeah. Alabama, exactly right. it is with us. And actually, I've, I've heard of this guy, Reputation. I heard about him for quite a while. It's an honor to finally meet you, Adam. Thanks. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so, let me, let me, I'm going to start with just a personal question. Tomorrow, I, I fly up to St. Louis because I'm, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm a keynote speaker for um, a group called the, let me see, National Association of Clinical Sex Addiction Therapists. Okay. I don't know what to tell these people. <laughs> That's a good start. Right? Uh, no, I'll, sh- I'll share some of my story, which I'm sure they've all heard 500 times from other people. Right. Uh, I'll bring some, I'll do what I can. But let me, let me ask you this. If you were in uh, my shoes, and you had a chance, as you've probably done this before, to stand up and talk to your peers. Okay, I'm going to just cliff note this for Nate. Will you quickly write his talk for him? Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what I'm looking for. <laughs> no, uh, and I'm taking Jeff Allen with me, the comic, so he's going to open. He'll get them all in a good mood, right? Yeah. He'll have them rolling in the aisles yeah. after 15 minutes, yeah. and then i got to just stand up and not ruin it. 
Right. No, if you were in my if you were in my shoes, Aaron, and you had uh, Adam, and you had my a chance to uh, like talk to your peers, and from what I understand, this is a Christian group. Um, boy, I'm really putting you on the spot with a with a question out of left field, but I'm uh, what the heck? I'm going to toss it your way anyway. What's one point that you would want to make uh, to your peers in the field? Uh, anything to make them cry. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, really the seriousness of this topic in the Christian world. Yeah. Um, we're in denial yeah. about it. Um, I think sometimes we even just spiritualize it hmm. and not clinically handle it. Yeah. And there's got to be, there's got to be both things going on with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think your charm and good looks, that'll handle it. <laughs> Hey, wait, no, 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 I don't know if you can tell who's talking. Nate's talking. It's not, it's not me. Oh, snap. Zinner from Newton. All right. Okay. So that would be a point that I would make. Yeah, okay. I appreciate that. So, I, so how, how do you, because uh, my, my oldest son goes to uh, a youth group in town, and they've been talking a lot about... Uh, pornography, intimacy. They actually gave all the kids Surfing for Jesus. Oh, wow. Uh, Cusick's book. Wow. So he came home with that book. Uh, so they're taking it seriously. Yes. Uh, how, do, how do you start to get a church, because that's the place that's either going to put the stamp of, yeah, this is serious, or not? How do you get people to start taking it seriously? Well, you start really by doing just some self-examination of, you know, what are your belief systems around sexual addiction mm -hmm. and just sex in general and what shame comes up when you talk about it. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, a lot of our focus is just on pornography in the church. Okay, but there, there are different types of sexual addiction. Right. You know, as a CSAT, you know, we look at, you know, around 10 different types of sexual addiction. What's a For CSAT? our audience members <laughs> who are listening right now, a CSAT is a certified sexual addiction therapist. And now back to Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, so, you know, the church a lot of times is just focusing on pornography. Yeah. Well, that may not be my issue. Sure. Okay. Fantasy may be my issue. Right. Or... There's one called seductive role where I just want attention. Yeah. Huh. Okay. And, you know, but if I'm not looking at pornography, okay, well then I don't, mm -hmm. I don't have a problem. Yeah. Right, Wait, right. explain that seductive role thing. I haven't heard that. And I want attention. I'm a sex addict. So I want attention. <laughs> well, could be. So let's explain that. <laughs> the attention is you're wanting to get noticed. You're wanting to get some type of affirmation or compliment and you will do kind of whatever you can to make that happen. Yeah. Um, sex isn't the ultimate goal. If it, if it happens, okay. But the initial intrigue, the initial, uh, chemical firing, so to speak is getting that attention. Oh, yeah. Is it sexualized? I mean, this is falling under sex addiction. So is it like I, I dress in my, seductive revealing top this is now hypothetical of me as a woman um 
<laughs> so that kind of that's the attention kind of thing and how it's sexualized. Sexualized attention. Your talk. Okay. You make sexualized jokes or comments. Um, some of it you just want to get in their eyesight mm-hmm. because you want them to to see something about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and it does have that um, that chemical firing part of it that you know you you focus in on that and that's what you want. And then if it doesn't happen, then you are disappointed you feel shame abandonment anger frustration then you go to the next so same esc- same escalation i'm gonna get more out exactly. of that. okay yeah. interesting yeah so you were saying there's more than just pornography we need to see the whole big picture that's right yeah that's right and a lot of times we just focus on pornography because that's the word that we use but yeah. there's different types of it yeah. Well, and, I mean, I think it feels, at least when I hear it discussed, I mean, por- it's pornography and sex addiction. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, I hear it discussed almost synonymously, Yeah, you know, that, that one is the other or that one encompasses the other. Right. But, you know, somebody who may look at pornography once or twice or whatever may not fall into the category of a sex addict. Right. Somebody who has an affair, that doesn't mean they're a sex addict. You know, there's a criteria Mm-hmm. Okay, that we look at because this is a serious situation. Sure. Um, and so we're just not going to throw out that term. Well, okay, so that's the flip side. Either you've got churches that aren't taking it seriously or you start your celebrate recovery and everything's an addiction. And so what, man, this you've just overcomplicated this. What's the solution, guys? You can both <laughs> talk about it. Well, if I can speak to that, one of the things that Adam said is that churches sometimes tend to just spiritualize it. I I think that one of the most dangerous words that we can use when we're talking about this is the word just, because it tends to minimize what's going on here. You know, and the, the, the men that we work with in our recovery community, a lot of them have grown up in the church. They've spent their whole, most of their lives as a Christian. And also most of their lives as somebody who's struggling with sexual sin, brokenness, addiction, whatever label or labels you want to put on it. And they have been in a culture that historically has said, well, just stop it. Yeah. You know, just you know, that old Bob Newhart thing on right. Matt's feet, stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box, you know. But, <laughs> but the whole minimization of it, this is just something where you need to make better choices. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, the, the, that drives people deeper into isolation. Right. It's just feeds the all the negative things that are going on and it feeds the problem that you know sometimes then develops into an addiction and so I think that you know the message that we're trying to take to churches is it's not just this or just that there absolutely is a spiritual component there is sexual sin being committed absolutely that needs to be repented of but there's also behavioral habitual issues there's chemical issues there are things that are screwed up in a guy's brain who has, you know, his brain wiring has gotten all off because of God's design for what's supposed to happen. It's, it's in, because of whatever he's exposed himself to. So there are so many multifaceted things going on that to say, well, just make better choices or just do this, just do that is so damaging. And, yeah. and like you said, the flip side of that would be to kind of remove responsibility by saying, well, I struggle, so it's, it must be an addiction. Well, it might be, but a lot of people who come into community initially, they don't know whether they're a sex addict or not. And, and 
at that point, it really doesn't matter. They know that there's some brokenness, and we want to respond to that through good therapy and also through the gospel. Right. So is there is there a quick... Let me minimize your entire education to a few sentences, please. Is there a quick way people can say, oh, all right, am, am I an addict? How does someone know if they're an addict versus just someone who is struggling with something? Well, initially, there is a, um, there's a brief questionnaire that you can go online. Um, you can go to root1520.com, um, and it's called a... Uh, SAST, S-A-S-T. Anyway, you can, if you mark actually um, two, three, or more, then there's an issue. Now, if you mark two or three or more, then I have a more extensive um, uh, inventory. I've got three inventories. Um one that deals with sexual addiction, there's one that deals with post-trauma, um, post-traumatic stress, and there's one that deals with money and, um, uh, and relaxation, you know, fun, that kind of thing. Anyway, we put those three big inventories together to really get a look at what, what your struggles are and if you fall into those categories of sexual addiction um, and where you are on that, where the model, the continuum continuum yes scale and um so yeah to find out if you are not so they could go they could go to the website and is this like a confidential send the results to them or does it go does it have to be processed the initial basic questionnaire they just take themselves and then they call and um and then they'll come in and we'll talk or because they take it online, but I have to set it up, and there is a fee and that kind of thing. But um, any of the CSATs have access to these inventories. I mean, it's now in terms of, of the one that's on Route 1520's website, you can take that. It does kind of notify you of the results, and then it also confidentially lets lets our ministry staff know that somebody has filled out that survey, and we reach out and we say, hey, you know, thank you for taking the the sexual addiction screening test. We'd love to help in any way that we can. We find out, you know, where they live and and do our best to refer them to therapists in their area. Um, we'll let them know about options that we have, including, you know, our, our recovery intensive. And we just seek to, you know, help encourage them and offer them hope wherever we can. Yeah. So for churches that, you know, have heard you say that we over maybe over spiritualize the solution to to sex to sex addiction and think, well, okay, let's bring in a clinical approach to it. Like, what does is, what is that church staff do? Is it is it a matter of just reaching out to someone? I don't want to say just. Is it a matter of reaching out to someone like you or? Newton, you're obviously not a pastor because all of us <laughs> went through extensive training on therapeutic <laughs> counseling and yeah. sexual addiction when we were in Bible school. I yeah. probably slept through right. that class. <laughs> I'm not a pastoral counselor. That's right. Yeah. Um, so what do, what do these pastors do? That's your question, right? Yeah. What, yeah. what can the staff do? I think learning the learning your area and what therapists are available and what training those therapists have. Um, it is a specialized training. Yeah. Um, someone who has dealt with addictions, addiction work in general, you know, 
they'll have an understanding too. But I do think getting a resource list, if, if a pastor can get a resource list of the counselors in the area that um, are familiar with their work, then and, and they can start a rapport, then they can start working together. Um, which, which would be more important, that they get a Christian counselor <laughs> or a counselor who has specialized training in sex addiction? Oh, that's a hard question. Well, well, you could do both. Now, I'm not a Christian counselor. That is not my licensure, okay? Right, right. I'm a counselor who is a Christian, right? Right. Um, I'm not a pastoral counselor. Um, I'm not a theologian. But if if in an area they can't find a CSAT who is a Christian, which would you recommend they go to? A counselor (laughs) who's a Christian or a CSAT person? Well, I can give you my opinion. This is great. Yeah, go for it, Greg. Get, let him off the hook. This is this is really uncomfortable. It's priceless. I'm I'm, look, I'm watching the expression on Adam's face. No, it's too bad that the, that the listeners don't no see him right now. He's turned red. No hesitation. Um, and you, you'd say 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 that again. What'd say you that say? Again, go to the CSAT without a hesitation. Yeah. I would say that, and this is why. If the person if if the person who's seeking therapy is a believer, then one of the things that I believe is that that person's indwelled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And if they hear something from their CSAT that's wrong, Holy Spirit is smart enough to tell them what's wrong and what's right. And, they're, yeah. and, and the training that the CSAT has is going to be beneficial whether that therapist is a Christian or not. And hopefully that's not the only thing that they're doing. Right. Hopefully they're also finding community. Hopefully they're also getting connected with a sponsor. You know, they're a part of a regular recovery group. And so that's going to be one part of their recovery journey and i think that for the part that's clinical you got to go with the person that's the most qualified right yeah i agree and i'm glad you jumped in because i was was like okay (laughs) as a clinician yes i would say you go to the one who's trained um because there is a clinical aspect of this and um but is but the more we talk about it the more we can also connect like um there may not be a csat in the community but we can skype or you know there there are ways that we can do counseling online um so there there are opportunities for both okay, okay you don't have to be locking into one yeah okay, there's something else great. the church can let me jump into with your question something else that the church can do <clears throat> if they don't want to solely spiritualize the problem but also take a broader approach one thing that it's so important for churches to do is just to discover how to be safe for people who struggle. Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. one of the scriptures that we use all the time in our approach to recovery is from James 5 in verse 16, where it says, confess your sin to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And I know that in the context, there's a specific kind of physical healing it's referring to. I think there's a broader application within the body of Christ that a lot of people who struggle it's because they have not seen modeled for them a, a community where it's safe to struggle. Right. They've seen people who have confessed and been shunned or, you know, like in what was in my case, I was on pastoral staff before all my stuff came out and, you know, I lost my job, which that was appropriate, you know, in, in what I had gotten into. But then I just kind of disappeared and nobody ever heard what happened. You know, there, there, yeah. there wasn't public restoration. There wasn't what we see in Galatians 6 of, you know, gently restoring the person who's been caught in a tre- uh, trespass. So I think for churches to not minimize, but to normalize the discussion, this, we talk about this like we talk about any other sin. 
yeah. because this is something that so many people are struggling with. Right. And just because it's about sex and it's kind of uncomfortable or awkward to talk about, that's not an excuse for silence because silence just drives people underground. Yeah. So what are what are some characteristics of a safe church? I'll pull on that thread a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. what are, what's a couple of characteristics of a safe church? I think that one of the primary things is uh, leading by example. You know, we talk about pastors who lead with a limp, uh, who don't talk about their sin as a hypothetical thing that really doesn't happen. Um, and there's a couple of churches here in Birmingham where we really are blessed to see people model that, where they'll just, I mean, they won't like draw pictures of, you know, what their sin life looks like, but they will be very clear that when they talk about their sin, it's not in the past tense, that this is a continuing struggle. I think that just gives people the gift of going second. If their leaders are going first and being transparent, and Nate, just not to, you know, not to give you a big head or anything, but sure, the I Am Second video was one of the hugest things early in my recovery mm-hmm. that kind of demonstrated that. Yeah. Hearing you your story and then reading the the Samson and the Pirate Monks book, that was part of a big uh, just kind of combination of things that were being introduced into my life, and it gave me the freedom to just talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, golly, I, I, I've known all along that I wasn't the only one, but I've really kind of believed as if I was. Yeah, yeah. Hearing somebody talk about it, and specifically, not just on a YouTube video, but hearing somebody physically in person in front of me saying, well, this is my story, yeah. and, and just kind of freeing, freeing people up to, to go second is, is, I think, pretty, pretty key. Yeah. So that's What's... one thing is just leading by example. Um, I think that, you know, hosting recovery groups within the church communicates something that's important as well. Um, and yeah. that's part of what we've done. We've kind of developed a network in Birmingham where we now have five or six men's groups, a couple of women's groups uh, that are primarily geared towards spouses who have experienced this from their husbands. But we're taking it into a form that other churches who hear about us can say, well, you know, come and give us resources and help us establish this where we are. Yeah. And it's something that we can do as well. well so the solution that you guys are talking about, I mean, counseling being very important, getting into groups and talking about it, especially so you can even process that counseling within your Christian community. All of these are the exact opposite of what anybody struggling with shame would want to do. So how do you... <clears throat> The listener right now that knows they're in deep water, but they've never told anyone. And if they set up a counseling meeting, that opens the door to, hey, honey, this uh, charge on my card every two weeks or whatever. Uh, the, the golf course is just called CSAT uh, yeah. Joe. <laughs> you know, how do you explain that? So what what does someone do? Because it feels like there's either you live in isolation and shame or you dive in the deep end of self-revealing. Are there no steps in between that somebody can say, I'm too scared to jump off the, the high dive? Where are the steps? Oh, well, good question. Mm-hmm. That is a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, when someone finally comes into my office, you know, after they've tried to call three or four times and they're just yeah. not, um, I try and make the the office as comfortable as possible. I mean, you know, they're, <clears throat> it's safe, it's it's interesting look I've got stuff for them to kind of look around at or just you know kind of calm their edge a little bit I don't a lot of times start off with okay tell me about 
how you got off last night. I don't, you know, not. I, I find out where they are, kind of meet them where they are. Um, then we talk about <clears throat> their core beliefs. I spend a lot of time, a lot of time talking to the mm-hmm. the guys about their core beliefs, um, because an addiction is really just a coping mechanism that has gotten way out of control. Yeah. Okay. And so we go back and we just start talking about who they believe they are. What are their gifts, their strengths? Um, what do they not like about themselves? What are, you know, we just kind of I gradually get into the conversation. Um, and so far, it really does, at least it works for how my approach is. Um, so, and so what's what's the step for the guy that's not going to end up in your office though that that's maybe three months away he's not going to he's not going to call and he's not going to self-reveal he's probably not even going to go to a group but if he does he's not going to self-reveal so what does he do the the website route 1520's website had a lot of information Mm -hmm. on it a lot of um there's data, there's articles, there's um, things that he could go ahead and kind of start doing um, to make some of those subtle changes, um, some things to kind of look inward a little bit more here and there. Um, And so he evidently knows that there's a problem. Uh Okay, so he's moving in that direction, but having information that is understandable, that is non-shaming, that is non-judgmental, is very important and that's why um, being able to talk about it in the church setting in a non-shaming non-judgmental way is is vital as well yeah but but even with that I mean I totally agree with what Adam's (laughs) saying one of the things as a church leader that it's important to do is to manage the expectations because you can be the safest church on the planet and if a guy's not ready he's not gonna raise his hand that's right right you lead by example you could model transparency and authenticity. You can tell them that they're going to be safe. You can tell them you're going to show them grace. And if they're not ready, they're not speaking up. I mean, my, I, I was exposed. I had crossed lines. I knew that I would get fired if it came out. I was afraid of the consequences. I was not going to be the guy who raised his hand and confessed. And so God, in his love for me, caused me to get busted. And that was the, that was the, the story he was writing for me. Some of these guys get to the point where they can't live with it anymore, and they do raise their hands. And the thing that's so hard for people who provide care and who minister to folks is is staying on the right side of the the the, the codependent line and not trying to do their work for them. Yeah, uh, it's if if I'm trying to force somebody to recover before they're ready, it's not going to work. It won't work. Right. Exactly. That's so we have to be patient I, I, to have something that's there for them when they're ready. Right. And I love that encouragement. Uh, heck, you've already risked your browser history with all kinds of stuff. Why not risk <laughs> it with a little I'm looking at sexual addiction articles and to, to know those are out there? Because I, I think that can start to cultivate enough understanding. And shedding light always scares off shame. Shame only functions in darkness. So, yeah. And when those articles are written and when the, the stories are written of recovery on on, I felt like I was the only one, okay, and realizing that, okay, there are other guys that are walking in the same shoes I am or very close to or they've walked ahead of me, um, that really does 
that really does open up the the healing process of because Satan wants you to think that you're the only one. Yeah. And if people and one of the core beliefs is if anybody finds out what I'm struggling with, they will leave me. Yeah. That is a huge core belief that we as men believe a lot of times. And so as we start reading and, and kind of hearing that, okay, that's that's not true, then it gives us a little more strength to keep moving forward in this healing process. And to be to be realistic, sorry, Nate, I'll, I'll grab you. I just want to finish this thought because I feel like there are guys out there listening that this is them, and this is going to be them for a little chunk of time. They're not ready to jump in. Mm-hmm. And I think the affirmation that their desire to be healed to be for this to be made right is real and they still will fail tomorrow or the next day like the failures are going to continue but that doesn't change the fact that their heart's desire is to to lose that anchor and just go running back to their father's loving arms and that's okay. This is the process. It's not just I've decided to change and bam, good. I made the decision. It's done. You got and something to say, so Greg. Key. That's so key with what you just said of the heart's desire. If you've got somebody whose heart's desires to stop, you know, it's amazing how many people who want so badly to stop walk around all day questioning whether they're really a Christian or not. Yeah. And I'm like, if you weren't a Christian, I really question if you would be as bothered by your sin as you are. You know, and, and I, I kind of start out by saying, just take some hope in the fact that you want to stop so bad. That probably is, is communicating something that's good. And then we do focus on on the true the, the truth of what the gospel tells them about themselves. I mean, our recovery groups, we don't focus primarily on the behavior. We mm-hmm. focus on what's driving the behavior. And, and we really look at two main paradigms of belief from which men are coming. One is either they're an orphan, that God has left them on their own to get their crap together before he wants to have fellowship with them, and they can't do it because we weren't designed to be independent, or they're believing as a beloved son who knows that no matter how long I do this on my own strength, eventually it's going to come to an end. And by the way, God never called me to do this on my own strength. You know, he's bridged the gap between me and him that sin had created, and he did that on the cross. And so if I really believe that he's presently walking with me, and, and, and you know, Lynch and the guys who wrote True Face and the Cure mm-hmm. illustrate this beautifully. If I really believe that it's God with me and us together working on my sin, and I'm not alone, I'm not trying to earn my way back into his good graces, then it makes all the difference. And so we really lead with that. We try to say, look, the, your sexual struggle is not your identity. Your identity, if you are in Christ, is you are a beloved son of the Father, mm-hmm. and he loves you no matter what. That picture in Luke 15, 20 of the Father running to his son, embracing him, kissing him, throwing a party for him, that's your heavenly Father. That's what he thinks about you. And we go so far as to say, even while you're cleaning up after acting out, that's how your Father feels about you. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for men to accept that when they're in that deep place of shame, but we just keep going back to that over and over again. Yeah. Awesome. Greg, a, l- a little while ago, you, uh, you mentioned... Uh, a sex addiction uh, recovery intensive. Tell mm-hmm. us some more about that. Well, we we feel like at the beginning for a lot of men of a recovery journey, or if they've been kind of flirting with recovery, having a hard time feeling like they've gotten traction, it can be very helpful to have an event type experience where it really helps to connect some dots. I mean, we talk about behavior 
as represented by the branches of a tree, but the roots being kind of some of those deeper things that have driven it for years that maybe we haven't ever even gotten in touch with. Mm -hmm. And so an intensive is a very experiential time where, you know, Adam is our, our lead therapist at our intensive, and he does all types of exercises with the men to help them kind of connect with the emotional parts of their brain that they usually try to stay out of. Yeah. And, and it kind of helps give context. And really, we, we sort of say it's like getting several months worth of therapy over a 72-hour period. We go from a Thursday afternoon to a Sunday afternoon, and it is intense. I mean, that's a, it's an intentional word. The guys don't have their phones. There's no distractions. There are some large group sessions. There's some small group sessions, but it's very experiential. Uh, I mean, Adam could speak a lot more clearly to that, but it's just uh, allowing them time to get their focus off of everything else and just completely immerse themselves in what's been driving this and where do I go from here. Yeah. And, you know, the first few minutes are always going to be awkward. You know, they are. You know, you're getting there, you're kind of walking around. Um, but within 15 minutes, there's going to be a closeness and a camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Um, when we've done these in the past, like this past one, none of the guys really knew each other that were there. Um, but by the end of it, it was like they had known each other for years. And um, <clears throat> so just the progression of relationship and healing that occurs mm-hmm. is just phenomenal. Oh, wow. Are so these just for local guys? No. Uh, in fact, so, the first one we had, we had a couple of guys from the Midwest who had just been browsing after a, a porn binge looking for sex addiction help, and they came across our website, and we were about three weeks away from our first intensive, and so he came. Cool. You know, it was amazing. Uh, but so no, this, it's not this, just for local folks. This is actually really good because I think, guys, you can sign up for a men's weekend that you heard about without it having to be, I'm going to a sexual addiction yeah. intensive. You can sign up for that. Is there any ritualistic uh, male nudity or sweat lodges at this <laughs> Neither. weekend? Not okay, yet. neither of those. No, those so, are in the planning stage. So we can't use that as a selling point. We call it Embark uh, Men's Recovery Intensive. I mean, people could just say, I'm going to this Embark Men's Retreat. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. that's really what it is. Right. And um, yeah, it, and it's the place where we have it. It's just it's beautiful. There's a place about 45 minutes out of Birmingham that is the site of a world-renowned golf course, and they've got a beautiful lodge where we hold our our meetings. So these guys are really treated like beloved sons. Yeah. You know, we don't want to stick them in the basement of coming in some back door exit. You know, with, yeah. with dimly lit area. We want them to experience being taken care of, being treated like the beloved sons that they are. Um, Again, none of these things to say it doesn't matter what you've done or it's not serious what you've done, but just you're a worthwhile person. You're a person that's worthy of having people love you and accept you, and uh, and it's really a very, very special time. Yeah. We spend a lot of time on shame and realizing where it came from and how to get rid of it how to deal with it when it hits. Um, we have an anger component in there where we can um, get some of that out because <clears throat> we as men will hold it in or it'll come out sideways. Yeah, um, Yeah. there's a metal trash can that didn't survive our last intensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and we deal a lot with those core beliefs. Um, 
and dismantling the ones that are not true and strengthening the ones that are. Um, We also spend a lot of time dealing with trauma. Um, We have exercises kind of going into that trauma and looking at it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that you were um, directly abused. You know, messages over time are traumatic. You know, you're stupid, you'll never amount to anything. Those kind of, those messages, those are trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, those are traumatic. Those are trauma events. Um, But a lot of times we don't define those as trauma because we weren't, you know, bloody and bleed, you know, beat up and bruised outwardly. Mm-hmm. But yeah. those do more damage inwardly. <clears throat> and so, and those are the ones that we carry with us and we live with. And we either try to prove them right or prove them wrong. And so we start unpacking those lies um, at this intensive. Well, I'll give this, I'll call this a charismatic moment. And so I, I don't speak to these often, being raised in a brethren church. But I, I really feel like there is at least one person that. The, this conversation is for and they need to sign up it's out it's out of their town and you just need to sign up you need to go because this this is that step i think this is the shallow end even though it's an incredibly deep thing but it's not asking for a public confession it's not asking for anything it's just saying will you take this step and go to a bunch of people that don't know you you don't know them and and find out what healing even looks like. Mm. So I'll I'll give it that. And maybe I'm totally wrong. So it's just a strange, awkward moment amongst friends. <laughs> I, I really don't. And and you know, not just because we want the event to be successful. I I mean, I know just because of the epidemic that the problem is that there are enough people listening to the podcast that need to either this or something like it. They need to they need to do something like that. Yeah. And I mean, I know that 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 Samson's got, a, you know, the 48 hours of frankness mm-hmm. events all over the place. That is a good option for some people. This is a great option for some people. You know, it, it's do something is better than nothing. Right. Okay. So how do they find out about the dates and sign up? couple of ways. Um, we have posted it. The, the next Embark is June 11th through 14th. And I've posted it on the uh, news and events section on Samson Society's website. Mm-hmm. So they can find it there if they're already a member of that, or they can just go to Route 1520, that's R-O-U-T-E-1520.com Embark, uh, E-M-B-A-R-K. Uh, they can go there and find out all they need to know about it. They can register for it, um, and, and it's just that simple. Fantastic. And Newton, will you put the link up? Yeah, I'm making myself so, a note to do it right now. So <laughs> it'll be on Facebook. Uh, on the Pirate Monk podcast, uh, there will be a link to the embark registration site that's awesome well this has been a this has been a terrific uh visit greg it's great great to see you again brother and uh give uh give my best to trey will you i sure will see adam great to meet you great meeting you heard so much about you so it's finally good to connect all right and uh golly maybe i'll break myself free and come do one of these intensives sometime please do it would be it'd be a lot of fun yeah we'd love to have you okay yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, it looks like we've reached the end of our time on this episode, but it's been a special one. Once again, our thanks to Adam Calvert and uh, to Greg Oliver. Uh, God bless you guys. Thanks for what you're doing. God bless Thank you. you. Thanks, guys. And we'll be right back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. 
Everybody loves a pirate. A mean and pesky pirate. A down and dirty, really, really dirty, down and dirty pirate like me. And we're back on the Pirate Monk Podcast, another one uh, in the books. A good conversation, don't you think, Mondo? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Those guys are cool, man. Yeah, they really are. We haven't have we have we had guests from that profession before outside of Thaddeus, or you know? Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know that we. Yeah, we've, that we've, we've had a few. We have to have had a few. Yeah. We're like at episode one sixty. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We've had everybody. Well, I think, well, Everybody's okay. been on this show. Let me rephrase that. I think it's been a while. Yeah, it's been it, a ha- it has been a while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, It's and it's good. It's fun. It's fun to watch therapists because even even that question about should you go to a therapist who's a Christian or someone who's certified yeah. in sex addiction, the thing we don't think about is even if you go to a Christian who's a certified therapist, they can't bring their Christianity into it anyways, and they've been trained just like a secular person to yeah. deal with the problem. Yeah. So you don't gain as much as you think you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although it's always nice to share yeah. that. It's not a bad thing, but it's not a necessary component. So, yeah, it is, it is fun hearing him. And, you know, it was great for me to, to see Greg Oliver. I remember being around when he hit the wall, you know, many years ago. And, and now to see what he's doing, what God's doing through – you know, what seemed like a disaster at the time mm-hmm. and yeah. how God has used his weakness to make him into a person who is very, very valuable and useful in the kingdom and uh, using him along with Adam to help bring hope to the lives of men and women around the country. So, yeah, yeah we love Route 1520 and we're excited for what they're doing. So uh, so I put out a special plea uh-huh. for people to connect with us yeah. like two weeks ago. Have have you received any mail? On uh, the yes, we do, and uh, we'll read some we'll read some Gmails uh, next, next week. Okay, all okay. right. I just thought I thought I was completely rejected, and I was going to go into kind of a fetal position depression. <laughs> uh, so I don't need to do that. You're saying we uh, yeah, did right. get we, some people reaching out. We did okay. get we did that's get good. a little bit of mail. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, we love our mail, and we need the affirmation because we don't get any other payment, right? That is true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> now, we'd love to hear from you. Drop you us a line, don't get any other payment. I, th- I thought you were just going to say because we are needy, needy <laughs> people. <laughs> but, oh, it's payment. That's good. Yeah, okay, you yeah. owe us. You owe us, people. Come on. Uh, Pirate Monk Podcast at gmail.com will get us. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, I'm Nate. I'm Mondo. And Aaron. That's right. And Newton has left the building. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> See you next time on the Pirate Month podcast.